0: Thank you for the download. It's Friday, June 17th, and this is episode 49 of the Marty Call it podcast. I'm Tim Grassi, and today I'm joined by my co host, Assault Masaki. What's up, Josh? Just excited to be doing a show about paper cuts, about a company that's being led by a wood chipper. <laughs> Spot on. And uh, Skipper Ben, how's it going, Ben? Josh stole my line.
1: <laughs> Check the text lot. That's mine. Nope. <laughs>
0: Uh, we are kind of back to our normal schedule here, uh, doing a, sh- a show a month or so. Uh, we don't really have a schedule; it's whenever we can get together. But ideally, and we put out a show once a month.
1: That cherry new here is all of Brazil right now.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, we get up to like thirty-six uh, this month. Something um, like that. Something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll get those numbers before the end of the when show. When it gets to sixty-nine, we're going to bring an air horn on to celebrate. Uh, 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 we, we just started recording, and uh, Gary Hall, who is not with us on this show, uh, just joined the chat with some uh, images that are amusing me. But uh, this is going to be a paper cut show, uh, primarily. But we're going to kick it off with some news, uh, courtesy of now friend of the show, Tom Corliss. Good and news, his, and his just Shut Up and His Disneyland News Today site uh, is reporting a rumor that Disneyland's Space Mountain will become Lightyear Mountain, inspired by the upcoming Disney. Pixar movie Lightyear, uh, uh, the I guess origin origin story of Buzz Lightyear. So, uh, Josh, I ask your thoughts. <laughs> Do you want my first uh, pick? <laughs> <laughs> my immediate response was, "Oh, for fuck's sake!"
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just absurd. They, they, this company is incredible at ignoring things that have been obviously broken forever, and trucking up next. <laughs> things that are working fine. It is, it is yeah. really their specialty, and it's. I mean, I guess it's good for us because it's show fuel. But if you actually love the parks, you kind of have to hate this uh,
0: administration. Space Mountain isn't isn't broken. Especially in California, it's not broken. And of the things that need to change in that Tomorrowland, that is about 50th on the list. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There there was nothing wrong. And let's put it out there. It's a rumor. Uh, God knows Corliss has been wrong before on these rumors. But... I'm sure that this is at least being discussed, if not serious levels. And if it's out there a few months ahead of a D23 Expo, it's probably been put out there from a try to get feelers standpoint. That's often how these things uh, get to somebody like Corliss. So there's probably some truth to it. And let me ask you a stupid question
2: as I interrupt you. We've constantly talked about the company's obsession with injecting IP into various attractions. Right. Do you think that in this case, what they're trying to do is extract Star Wars from an attraction that isn't in the dedicated Star Wars area? Or Are they? Is this? This isn't is, a Star Wars ride. Like, it's not. I thought they had. Is that a temporary know. overlay that they yeah, do on that? Yeah.
0: So they do. They do hyperspace mountain. They do. get uh, – uh, uh, What's the uh, Ben? What's the uh, Halloween? The one? Christmas one. Oh, it's okay.
2: Uh,
1: ghost
0: galaxy ghost galaxy yep yeah yeah so they do that as a temporary overlay and hyperspace mountain has been kind of the default mode uh for like 50 percent of the time lately but i don't think i don't think that's it josh at all i I don't think that's it at all i think perhaps they don't want to spend money on those overlays and perhaps make it a permanent thing with a permanent theme but (sighs) i mean it's it's not necessary the ride isn't broken it's he's, one of the most popular rides in the park.
1: He's coming for it all. Yeah. He's coming for everything. This is the this is the new norm. I hate to say it. This is we've joked about it so many times on here. Uh typically whenever I brought this stuff up sing alongs this and that it's always been tongue in cheek, but also with a slight hint of coming from an angle of this current management team, this doesn't shock me at all. And if if it works in terms of uh, long lines, in terms of people not backlashing against it, this it is, already has long this lines. Is, this is the start, man. I this guy, he has to go. Otherwise, this is what we're gonna see. To you picked
2: my first everything.
1: paper cut. <laughs> 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 Pump yeah. Your first paper cut. <laughs> <It is. laughs> if he if, if he stays in any kind of power, and it seems like he's you know getting rid of anybody that could. Take that power from him, uh, including people is, that he hired. Yeah, which is a you know move typically for reserved for dictators and stuff. What? But uh, yeah. hey, uh, this is his mo. This is his background. This is where he comes from. This is. Well, I don't. I do know if he's this a is tater. Once.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you guys talked the, over each other. What about him not being a dictator? I said I don't know if he's a tater, but I'm sure. <laughs> he's, <laughs> you're, you're sure he's a dick? <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at what the wait time is for Space Mountain. It's currently down. Oh no, it's not. 70 minute wait. Yeah, I mean that's right. not exactly a failing attraction. No, no, it is uh looks to be the second longest wait in the park right now. Behind the Matterhorn, which I would call a failing attraction. I hate the Matterhorn. Um yeah, can you I, I would be okay putting it on the Matterhorn because if it gets a retract to that thing. Um, but maybe just throwing this out there and hear me out, guys. If there was a Buzz Lightyear themed attraction in Tomorrowland that was Mm -hmm. exclusively Mm -hmm. cardboard cutouts Mm -hmm. that could see an update, Mm -hmm. maybe that would work. Like if if only they had something like that. (laughs) Hmm. Just I I don't know. Well, well,
1: that's call me crazy. That's the toy though. This is based on the the character that the toy is based after. These are two different, totally different Buzz Lightyears. Tim, come on, quit thinking that way.
0: You're right. You're right. Even though you are fighting the evil <laughs> emperor Zurg in that. Oh my God! For Christ
2: God, sake. I hate fiction.
0: <laughs> uh, this is, I it, hope this it, doesn't
2: happen. I might I, actually be the worst possible Disney fan that there could be.
0: You know, what, like uh, all things being equal, if they built this next to Space Mountain, I'd probably be okay. Yeah, with add it. another mountain. Like there's there's nothing, but there's nothing wrong Shit with Space Mountain. mountain. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, yeah I, I did have an evil
1: smile on my face when I sent y'all that link earlier today. Just, <laughs> I just like, oh, s-
2: sadistic I can't news wait ben to the see the
0: handlebar mustache. <laughs> he knows we're recording, and he just says, "All right, what article can I send to Tim and Josh?" It'll piss him off. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Josh is having a bad day. Let me make it worse.
1: <laughs> Tower of Terror is next.
0: Yeah, there. It's what Doctor Strange Tower of Terror is that what we're doing? Yep. Yep. It's,
1: them an coming. Idea. it's coming. It's coming.
0: Well, it's not all bad news for Disneyland. They're actually doing something out there that was on my list of paper cuts. They are eliminating the timeline for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And, uh, well, I mean, praise isn't the right word for what it deserves. It's absolutely a good thing that they're doing it, uh, by setting the precedent of putting in Boba Fett and Fennec Shand from the Disney plus shows and soon Grogu and, uh, the Mandalorian, it opens the doors for pretty much exactly what we've said. All right, sure. You don't have Kylo Ren and Darth Vader out simultaneously or you're in the same area, but, people want to see more than just the new trilogy Star Wars characters. Um, the This is a generational franchise that has a multitude of characters that people would expect to see in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and the fact that that isn't happening and hasn't been happening for three years is kind of laughable. So kudos to them for finally getting it right, uh, and Florida needs to follow suit. The silence is deafening. It, it,
1: yeah, I mean... I, to me, it seems like it works perfectly fine at Disneyland. Uh, you know, this, <laughs> the success of the Disney, the Galactic Star Cruiser, um, <laughs> and we can get into that separate here in a minute if we want to. But, uh, you know, that it really makes things messy in Florida if they bring that out there. I think they need to, without a doubt, but they've committed themselves on another level in Florida when it comes to timeline, characters, settings uh, that. There could be some.
0: I don't even know. I mean, I don't, I don't really know care. that it really I does. I mean, you, you've got to be able to. I, I understand what they're doing with the uh, Galactic Star Cruiser and wanting to set it in that specific time frame between. It's basically like they've set it in like a one week window uh, mm-hmm. be- between Episode Eight and Nine, and that in itself just it, it hamstrings them too much. Um, there are ways to do it. There are absolutely ways to do it, or you can just say, fuck it, and don't even try to negotiate with yourself. Don't try to uh, navigate the mental gymnastics of saying, all right, well, if we have Kylo out this time, we get we don't have, just, you just have everybody out, which is effectively what they're doing in Avengers Campus in DCA, where you've got every Marvel character, uh, past, present, and future will be available in that Avengers Campus, and it doesn't logically make sense that they're all together, but it's what the People that are visiting the parks want to see at some point you need to take a step away from living in that universe to satisfy the more casual fans that just want to see Darth Vader, that just want to see Luke Skywalker, that sort of thing.
1: Well, to be fair, though, at least with the Adventures campus, they have come out and said that this is not the MCU. This is its own version of the, okay, the Marvel so say, Universe. So where say the, that for Star Wars.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, you can, you'd have not to. Hard. but they've retconned Canon uh, as soon as Disney took over anyway. So, I mean, mean,
2: isn't what both of you guys and I I, look, I don't understand the star Wars. (laughs) I don't understand any of these franchises to the level that you do not even close, but I will say that as I listen to you, it sounds like you're giving another reason why this IP injection is problematic because the constraints that are okay, when you're creating a two hour linear film don't necessarily make sense when you're building a multi hundred million dollar, uh, series of attractions that have to you know expand and be dynamic over time. They are right. they are handcuffing themselves honestly for no good reason because right. those constraints exactly. aren't driving the needle. The people who love this stuff are going, they they don't want to necessarily see a rerun. They don't want to see a book report. They want to see they want to they want to walk through the place that they saw in the movie. It doesn't have to be constrained to anything. That's what creativity is. It's not being limited by this stuff. I mean it's ironic that we're doing the Blue Sky podcast about and our biggest compl- complaint is that they're not giving themselves the blue sky. They are, they are limiting themselves completely artificially. And it's, it makes no sense.
1: Well, the funny part is if they had just listened to our show way before this ever opened and heard our, you know, <laughs> we said, don't do this. <laughs> we Locking said, don't get stuck in that timeline. Yeah. I, mean, I want to be clear about
2: something. The three of us are idiots, but True. we were right. <laughs> 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 you know, Just because you're stupid doesn't mean you're wrong.
0: The the initial setup, though, I mean, there are components of the fact that they didn't tie it to a specific land uh, because they didn't want to be hamstrung by that land. Okay, let's carry that logic to the timeline as well. Yeah, exactly. It's like they get it and it it's weird. By, by setting it on a planet that was kind of Switzerland, basically, uh, they allowed themselves to have uh, the good side, the bad side, and they didn't even need to define the era of that good and bad side. And that's where, uh, you can have the, the fixed stories of Rise of the Resistance and Smugglers Run, um, because those are more permanent fixtures, but the characters represented around the land don't really need to be tied into things. And yes, there's a couple of like semi-permanent things. There's spaceships as, uh, that, that are tied to the new, new trilogy, but I mean, you can, You can just have various things docked there. It really – it wouldn't take much other than the occasional crazed fan that represents, you know, one-tenth of one percent of your average park guest each day that would complain about it. But you're satisfying – the the rest of everybody else, those that have the different levels of Star Wars fandom. So, anyway, we've got a lot more paper cuts to go through, uh, and that was one that they actually are moving in the right direction for it. I'm hoping that there's a little bit more development to that, and we start to see those changes in Florida in some way, shape, or form as well. Well, let me let me ask another dumb question, just to, to more of a thought point than anything. Okay. One of
2: our maybe maybe this is us being hypocritical, but one <laughs> of our objections has always been that there's this sort of uh, imagineering ideal for each attraction and land that gets open. And then once ops gets in there, they deviate from it. And generally, we complain about that. Right, usually. Is is this kind of the same thing, but perhaps working in a direction that we approve of?
0: Well, we've also talked about, think of the thought exercise we did about building uh, our own fifth gate, where Mm -hmm. we thought of Trying to come up with, if we have a universal theme, if we have a cohesive theme, it has to be broad enough to allow for that type of expansion. Bondage and, land. The theme itself ties the whole <laughs> thing together. But that's that's the problem you get on any of the um, singular IP-based lands anyway, yep. where, I mean, Universal kind of danced around this, but they, they too jumped out of the uh, original Harry Potter land starting in a single point of time. It's supposed to be like, I think the day of the triwizard tournament. And then they jumped that. when <laughs> That they might decided be the
2: nerdiest in, state sentence I've ever heard of. Uh, <laughs>
0: the, when they, when they tried to do a uh, triwizard tournament, <laughs> when, they, when they switched it over to a uh, Hagrid's magical creatures, motorbike adventure starring figment, they removed that part of the storyline and nobody cared. Uh, you've got Newman and, and Jurassic Park saying, see, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And that meme comes up so often when we discuss a lot of this stuff. Stuff that we complain about, uh, and everybody else is saying nobody cares. And then stuff that Disney decides is important and we say nobody cares. Um, there, there's a balance there. And I think, uh, management certainly doesn't know it or care, but I think there's a bit of a, Overthinking things at Imagineering, that, that I, I don't, that's that's kind of an odd way to no, say it. it's like they're simultaneously overthinking and underthinking, which is yeah. quite the accomplishment. I mean, I'm doing a horrible job of explaining this. To, to go read Joe Rody's Instagram, that's just going to explain. <laughs> I'm sure if you arbitrarily pick a post from seven years ago, he's going to do this more articulately, more articulately, as I can't even say the word. No, I think, than, is, is, than is what ever you're will. saying
2: that, like, it seems like in some areas they're completely in the weeds and, like, being yeah. very microscopic, and yet they're letting the big picture slip through their fingers as they do
0: that. Uh And perhaps the issue is that there were, that we're talking about a, we're talking about a property in star Wars that so many people care about. Um, I think by all accounts, the execution of Pandora is so highly praised because people don't care as much about the IP. Because nobody it so,
2: with me. I know that it grossed a whole bunch of money, but it seems like no one actually was awake
0: during it. Like, you're like oh, this is pretty, and so is the yeah. land, so nailed it. That works. <laughs> But th- it, it, there's it, also details in that land, like, they came up with a fictitious soundtrack of animals with a call and response that's different during the daytime and nighttime that is so damn subtle, but also awesome as well. That's cool. just kind and of further add to the ambiance. That is the exact kind of thing that they did with the original Disney parks
2: that made them so revisitable. Right, right.
1: Well, like and the, the interesting depth. thing on this to me was, it's almost like they sh- they think their shit doesn't stink. Because, right. like... The the these movies had come out that they that they originally married the land to these movies these that had been out long enough for them to realize there was not as much love for these characters as the original trilogy, right? Like they had the research, they had the time, they they had the the toy sales, they had everything to realize that these characters aren't making as big an impact on the Star Wars community as the original trilogy, which you know that's not they bought that one that wasn't their creative idea that wasn't their characters this is like them taking a trying to trying to be too cool with it and be like we're going to prove you guys wrong we're going to build this around our characters adding boba fett adding some of these characters from that original timeline helps in the land but like you're married to them within the attraction at least yeah. with rise of the resistance like how do you fix that especially i'm thinking 10 years down the road where Kylo Ren is not he'll never be a Darth Vader. No. That character they're never, you know, the, when you when you hear those lists of the top 5 movie villains of all time and Darth Vader's number 1 on that list and
0: Kylo Ren is nowhere to be found anywhere near it. Yet, I don't think that, Kylo Ren was a bad villain, but I see I know exactly what you're saying. I mean Darth yeah, Vader is generally regarded Darth, as number 1.
1: Yeah, and you're married to that character in that attraction and everything you built out. It's going to make take a adding a couple walk around characters is one thing, but But also, Rise of the
0: Resistance isn't the problem with the land. Rise of the Resistance is an excellent attraction. Rise of the
1: Resistance would be a better ride if it was based on, you
0: know. You're absolutely right. But at the same time, that's, that's not really the issue here. And the ride that is more easily updatable is Smuggler's Run. And that's where those changes can be made. But when the land was announced, it was on the heels of Force Awakens and Rogue One, the two best of the Disney movies. And then it opened on the heels of Solo and whatever episode Eight was called. Was it, uh, 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 again, uh, Rise and, and, of Skywalker's uh, Nine,
1: right? Uh, Rise of Skywalker's Nine. Yep. Yeah. And the funny thing is, even with Rogue One, which, you know, between those two movies, what was everybody talking about? It was, oh, the appearance it was Darth, of Vader, Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One, which should make <laughs> you sit alert. there and go, maybe we should make a ride based around Darth freaking Vader. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But anyway, let, let's move away Build a from land Galaxy's around Edge. Darth Vader. Anything? No, let's let- stay here for a couple more hours. <laughs> <laughs> do you have more? Do you have more? Galaxy's Edge paper cuts? Because I, I, uh, I don't. No. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, outside, outside of more smugglers runs missions. Uh, yeah, I mean you know, that, that is something
0: that, that's that's valid. But I've got. Uh, we, we talked about this. I don't think we actually talked about it on the paper cut show. Um, but we we need to pointedly put it as part of a paper cut that the visual intrusions that we see in the parks need to be better hidden um you've got that's the pandora a, that is on my list yeah the pandora show building can be very easily seen and that's something that it's not that high a building you you create a 10 foot berm and plant some trees well, that thing well, is not in hey, the year can we, can we kick it to me because i actually have this on go my it. list yeah go for it
2: okay so I, i've got I don't know, three or four here, depending on how you break them down. Some of them are interrelated. So, yeah. but a, 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 like a bullet point was stop, uh, breaking theming. So, uh, and I actually had to ask Tim and Ben this because I knew that they had cleared out, uh, river country and they were going to, you know, they announced that they were going to build this very modern looking kind of resort Retirement there that was a DVC resort. And then they just, you know, I, I realized COVID played a role in this. I'm just, I, tough shit. I don't care. It's now you've got to deal with reality and what they've got is a mess. They abandoned this. And then it's like they took the blueprints that they paid for and decided they were just going to plop this DVC down at, at, and, uh, you know, over by the poly. And it's like, this is just like the 50th example we've talked about on the show of cases where, you know, you have 50 years of building this, these themed areas that have this cohesive sort of aesthetic and feel, and they create a mood and ambiance, and they, they set the stage for all of the details that are there. And then you've got these, you know, 20 something, 30 something managers that are coming in and getting decision-making power and they are, they're ruining it. And these are, these are problems that they don't get fixed. That's the problem. I worry a lot. I worry the most about the bad decisions that are not reversible. And and it, we just see so much of it right now that I think, you know, if I had a chance to talk to someone who was in decision making uh, position, this this would probably be the drama I'd be beating the loudest, just because this is a multi generational problem. Like our grandkids um, are going to be dealing with with these bad choices, and I, I just don't know what's going to be there if this if this sort of line of decision making continues.
0: Those types of things are, I mean, somebody just high up enough has to decide that the 133-foot show building for Cosmic Rewind is okay if we don't theme it. Somebody has to make that decision. Like, they do the height balloon tests so that they can see where it's at. They know exactly where it was going to be at. They know what it was going to look like. And somebody's like, yeah, we're cool with it. We'll just paint it blue.
2: And and what, what that really is is a direct statement That sightlines are no longer something that matters. And for for listeners who might care about this sort of thing, it's a little inside baseball, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But several years ago, Tim and I spent a lot of time talking about what the show was going to be called, Mm -hmm. and one of the contenders for the name of the show was
0: Sightlines. We kept going back to that. In retrospect, it might have been a winner. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I'm pretty. uh, I'm pretty big. I'm a big fan of the name Marty called. But yes, I I do too. It is funny.
2: I mean, there, I've heard so many derivatives of it for people. Martin called when they want to be formal. Uh, Martin <laughs> left a message when they feel like uh, we're, we're tuned out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, slightly, that's just such a thing that was so important to the original design of the park, and it's one of the things. If you just if we boil this down to like a kindergarten level, and you said, "What is it like Disneyland in particular, and, and certainly Disney World later?" Are viewed as as an innovation in mm. entertainment. And it is the theming that, that is the core of that innovation. There was amusement parks long before there were theme parks. The theme is the thing that makes Disney something more special than an amusement park. A collection of attractions is something that has been around for literally hundreds of years. And quite frankly, if you liked intense ones, uh, a hundred years ago would have been the time to live because you very well might die riding them. (laughs) You know, The theming and the sightline and the preservation of a sort of pristine environment is the thing that made Disney different than everything else. And what we see what I see is universal and even you know, Cedar Fair and other companies are trying harder to adhere more to a pristine aesthetic and conserving uh, you know, visual uh, viewpoints from various points in the park. And Disney, who already has it, is just flushing it down the drain. It just seems like such a wasted try- – they have this big strategic advantage and they are destroying it by their own hand, which is really hard to defend.
0: I, I think I part of think, the pr- – no, go
1: ahead. I was going to say, I think part of the problem here is also – there's not parks people in charge of this company right now.
0: There's not
2: and parks people, people in charge of the parks, it seems, which is amazing. even worse. Well,
1: yeah, but the, the, you know, in the past, there's been either people that came from the parks or cared about the parks yeah. that were making these decisions that understood theming and understood what it meant to add this. Uh, the people that are in charge now are more concerned as, is this going to generate any kind of revenue? And by them right. theming a building, they're, they sit there and go, why am I going to put money into this when it's not going to have any kind of return on the investment? It's fine as it is. Uh, you know, I, lo- I love that Michael Eisner seems to be going through some kind of uh, – a bit of a renaissance right now on social media. People love him. <laughs> if you lo- look back at you know some of the decisions he made – hell, if you just look back at Disneyland Paris – And if you've ever been there, you would see the amount of money that he put into the theming of every one of those buildings over there because he wanted that to be his work of art. That was his park. Mm -hmm. And part of that was to make it look like the nicest park in the Disney portfolio. This group right now, they don't care. They don't understand what that added theming to buildings, to simple things, actually does to the experience. They just care if it – is gonna, you know, what's it cost, and, and will I get my money back on it? And when they find out they won't, then they don't do it.
2: I think that his the I don't know Is it history? I think that in the future, history will show that the legacy <laughs> of this top management team uh, was not good.
0: No. There uh, no. I mean. You can look at some, uh, some rides that they've added. They've, That's they've, a, certain, like <laughs> they, they've certainly added some <laughs> impressive rides, but, uh, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. Uh, and also if you look at Eisner, Soren, that was approved on his watch with the visual show building. Uh, uh, Swan and Dolphin, visible from World Showcase, also approved on, uh, on Eisner's watch as well. But the. But
1: this, in, also, but this is also Tower of Terror approved on his watch. Oh, absolutely. Where they're absolutely. like, we got the how same does thing. it look for Morocco? You know, I mean. Yeah. But also, not-
2: Eisner, Eisner was really two guys. You know, there was. Yeah, also Ber- true there was, there, there there was, was Eisner yeah. with Wells and there was Eisner without Wells. And that makes it a little harder to do, to do the analysis, I think. But certainly, Eisner with Wells was a tremendous boon for the Parks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Eisner, afterward, I think, struggled. Um and as I get older I, I think I'm getting a little more maybe human and understanding uh, I think he was really I don't think there was any malice there at all I think he Mm-mm. lost his way mm-hmm. a bit and um you know there was a there's a ch- there there's a there is such a thing as a dynamic duo. You, you know, I think yeah, there's, right. a, I, I hate buzzwords, but there can be synergy between two people where they, where their strengths and weaknesses just kind of overlap in a way where together they are better than either of them could ever be by themselves. And I think, I think Wells and um, Eisner had that for sure.
1: I, I, I will go down as an Eisner fan. Yeah. The last mm-hmm. few years were rough. I agree. Um, he had but a anyway. lot of outside. If, if you had uh, a lot of people
2: – oh, go ahead. I'm so sorry for – I just want to – but the thought I was trying to think of, I couldn't think of the name of the book. But if you haven't read Disney War, yeah, um, yeah, oh yeah. um you, you, you need to do that. I mean, that is kind of like – honestly, it should be a prereq for listening to the show.
1: Yeah, I, I was there you know, at the end of Eisner's deal. I saw him in the parks one time, and I mean, I got starstruck by seeing Helmet. Like, I I really liked him. I liked the stuff that he did. I, I think he actually just cared about – all aspects of the company to be honest with you those last few years tough but uh yep i i like them a lot especially you know looking at what we have now (laughs) i would do anything for somebody who had a level of care that that eisner had running the parks these days
2: eisner always looked to me like someone who was sort of thrilled and amazed that he had the job he did running that company you know yep. what I mean? If you ever listened to the, you know, one of the things he did that, dear God, please JPEG, don't do this. <laughs> but he would insert himself into the pre-show videos for a lot of attractions. Yep. I mean, yep. you actually got to see during. And he was, <laughs> I think, let's be honest, he was not a great uh, thespian. No. But you could see there was, and I think maybe it's the fact that he wasn't a good actor that makes this so oh, yeah. meaningful. There was a sincerity to the love that he had for that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um. You know, and was it Splash Mountain that that allegedly came along because he took his son through Imagineering at Flower Street? Was that?
0: So, there's uh, a couple of things that and, – and we ha- haven't heard the full story if it was a single day, basically. But it was – he was walking around and they're trying to get Star Tours uh, Indiana Jones Adventure uh, approved. And then the thing – so, like, all right, yes, we want to bring in George Lucas to do those other things. But then they saw a Splash Mountain, and that was what was uh, what kind of people gravitated towards, what either Eisner and or his son gravitated towards. Um, I, I need somebody that actually has the uh, – we need to get Tony Baxter on. We'll get Tony Baxter yep. on. He can go through and tell the story. Um, <laughs> I, I dig that guy. But the
2: – Now that he's liberated from the company, I feel like he's got stories to tell. When he gets a little bit old, like I know he's not a young guy, but like – I feel like you want to be kind of on the tail end of his life because he's
0: probably got some secrets he'd like to get off his chest. So I I'm want to make a point here I th- and hear me out on this. I think that 10 to 15 years from now, we're going to look back at Iger, not necessarily in the same way as Eisner, but perhaps more positive than we did in the time that he was leaving the company, uh, in part because JAPIC sucks so much. But yeah. I, I, I think mean, it's,
2: all- it's like... Iger was like kind of apathetic apathetic to the parks, where Chapin right. is like openly
0: hostile. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking a blowtorch to things we love. <laughs> um, but I mean, with with like he pointedly said, "You you mentioned apathy that he was not a parks guy." He said it in his biography. Yep. and and owned that. I think he wanted his legacy to be Shanghai um, and eight hundred billion dollars of grifting. But if you look at Where his legacy truly is going to be, it's going to be the acquisitions that he made. So you can't really argue that he was bad for the company. But Mm -mm. as a Parks fan, uh, he was not good for the Parks, even though some positive additions came during his tenure. So I don't know. I mean, as as you said, JPEG is just so violently against preserving the uh, sanctity of the Parks that it's going to take a change in leadership, as Ben said. Yeah. Uh, earlier to really to really move the needle but ben why don't we go on to a different uh paper cut ben do you have anything on your list
1: yeah i've got one we've been staying at the resorts a lot more uh recently okay. spending a lot more time there uh i love it uh Ooh. we we've been staying at the boardwalk this upcoming trip we're staying at the out beach club we've spent time at pop century uh we've spent time at art of animation i don't even know how to say this uh, other than Disney needs to get more buses out there. Okay.
0: Just better transportation. I mean.
1: No, 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 no. (laughs) okay. Other transportation is fine. Friendship boats from Boardwalk, phenomenal. Run perfect. Uh, Skyliner, I enjoy it a lot. The obnoxiously long lines at the bus stops at every resort, especially in the morning, is ridiculous, especially at the prices you pay. If you're at a resort that yeah. is a bus exclusive or, you know, God, it, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out, you know, Art of Animation, Pop Century, Family Resorts, you probably need to have a couple extra Magic Kingdom buses uh, scheduled for every morning as yeah. opposed to having the line extend from the bus stop back and forth queued up through the lobby of the hotel as people are waiting hours to get on a bus people are paying way too much to stay at these resorts again we've said prices going up but the the amenities going down one of them is without a doubt their bus system and you know they went through bus changes a few years ago where they said they were going to be more efficient they were going to be able to monitor and see where there was going to be needed buses added uh to routes because of demand I I have not seen that anywhere
0: these are solvable problems that cities have employed and disney is effectively a city
1: they yep and again the the the, the one thing that comes back to this it's gonna cost them some money right it's gonna it's
0: to. and you know for the but prices, guest satisfaction goes up and guests spend more money when they're happy
1: they spend more money when they're happy and they're already spending more money for those rooms than they ever have before right and i don't remember growing up ever having obnoxiously long lines for the buses, maybe once or twice, maybe one, once per trip it would happen because of, of demand or just the timing. But now, I mean, when you have TikTok videos that go up every morning of people going, God, look at the bus line here at Pop Century. It's ridiculous. Look at the bus stop line here at another point. It, it's it's just something that stuck out to me right away that uh, whatever they're doing on the bus side is not working right now, and they need to address it because it, if you're killing one to two hours, of it's why we don't go back to the resorts during the middle of the day, especially if it's a bus loop because we we know how long it's going to take to get the bus from that park, and then we worry about how long it's going to take to get the bus from the resort to go back to the park later in the day, to where you just you start doing the math that you're losing way too much time in the parks by by using that system. So. Uh, You know, as we, uh, as I listened back to our last paper cut show, this is supposed to be the, the, you know, not the big major changes, but the one things that stick out to you. And this, that's one that in my recent trips of staying on property, it's been a real pain in the butt using their bus system. And it's something that they, they desperately need to address.
2: It's kind of a dumb mistake for them to allow to persist because one of the, Tent poles of their business model at least seemingly is that they want to have their guests in a revenue generating capacity for as much time as they possibly can throughout the day so if you're standing there waiting for a bus you're probably not spending money on anything else so that's well, the funny <laughs> part is you a, probably
1: you kind of are you're paying for lightning lanes you're playing for genie yeah. play. they're, they're getting money out of you either way of whether you're in the parks or not anymore it's they're gonna get one of those
0: push carts for the parades that they have like selling light up toys as you're waiting for your. As your <laughs> <wage career. laughs> yep. Yep. Um, speaking of resorts, uh, something that I had on here was something to easier, uh, more easily facilitate resort hopping with some sort of official enforceable policy. And I recognize that they don't want people parking at resorts that have that, uh, I guess, premium transportation like the Skyliner, like the monorail. But if you've got something where if you're driving, uh, that you have a one hour, a two hour limit at a resort that is actually enforced, then mm-hmm. you can further fuel somebody visiting things. Like, I'll, I'll use the Grand Floridian, for example. During the holiday season, they put out a very impressive gingerbread display, and there is no way to get to the Grand Floridian other than parking elsewhere and getting on the monorail. There's no other option. Yeah. Unless you're staying there. So, those are the types of things that just. Well,
1: uh, again, I think anti
0: that- guest favor. Uh, right yeah. now, as a current behavior, it's funny that I, is also on my list. Yeah. We yeah, are I, uh,
2: very much on the same page. Yeah.
1: As I say that, that's that's another paper cut is is just making things more welcome. Uh, <laughs> like I actually fear going to a resort right now because of having like what do we tell the security guard because they are so suspicious of those things as opposed to welcoming to say you know but back in the past it was easy to be like we would go over to the Grand Floridian and be like we want to show our daughters where we got married. And in the past, super easy. Come on in, go park right over there. Y'all go, yeah, go have, have, you know, do what you need to do. We want to take some pictures. We want to do this or that. Now they're very suspicious. They're questioning, you know, maybe rightfully so to a bit, but at the same time, that's that's not what a guest expects at Disney. That shouldn't be the default. And I feel that this is the default more often I than not. I want to coin days. a
2: term here the six flagsification of this company.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, uh, who was it? Um, I can't remember the guy. Uh, but he just used the term declining by degrees. But all of it is the same thing. <laughs> Kevin Yee was the one that I believe came up with that. Oh, I thought Wakefield could. said he came up with that term.
2: We did he a probably. Kingdom Cast episode called <laughs> Declining by the Degrees years and years and years ago. I might not um, even have been on the show then now that I think about it.
0: But a, lo- a lot of that is uh, is very true. And it's, it's really the nature of what we're talking about with these paper cuts episodes. So, uh, Josh, did you have anything on, on your list? I've got a bunch of just random things. I, so, I do. I do. Yeah. So this
2: one, I debated putting it on here or not. And it, it I really, I just want to so, sort of set it, say at the outset, I don't really intend it to be political and I've changed the name of it sort of I as a header a couple of times.
1: Definitely going to be political.
2: Well, it's, <laughs> I, here's the title. I landed on two titles. The first one is Stop Being a Conspicuous Activist. And the second is uh, stay in your lane and focus on what your core values are. Okay. And I think if you really just take a step back and ask, what is it this company sells?
0: It is. Are you upset escapism. about the purple wall having the, uh, the rainbow flag on it? No, okay. it's fantasy.
2: It's escapism. <laughs> it is. People go to Disney and pay increasingly incredible amounts of money in order to get away from reality. So I- when the company makes active steps to put itself in the public spotlight on these issues, it, it's just divisive and it, it, it just is not consistent with that. And I didn't really want to come in here with my opinion being what mattered. So what I did is I went on Disney's website and I looked at their mission statement because for those of you who may not know, I'm, the actual reason that you're, that companies frequently have a mission statement is so they can use it to make decisions in order to ensure that the way that they run the company is consistent with their purpose for existing. That's what a mission statement is for. And one of the things that makes a mission statement good is that it is clear and it is comprehensible and that it is sort of actionable to where a ordinary person could read it and say, yeah, this decision we're trying to make is easy to resolve by virtue of the fact that we have this sort of rail to guide us here with that in mind. I'm going to read you Disney's mission statement, and you tell me if you think that uh, constantly injecting yourself into the public eye politically and otherwise makes sense. The mission of the Walt Disney Company is to be one of the world's leading producers and providers of entertainment and information. Using our portfolio of brands to differentiate our content, services, and consumer products, we seek to develop the most creative, innovative, and profitable entertainment experiences and related products in the world. Now, I would argue that it's not a great mission statement because it's so chock full of buzzwords that it's hard to actually parse. I don't know what it means to create information. I think (laughs) there's an objection to be had there. But the fact is – We can get
0: political and I can make a joke there, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, uh,
2: there are – let me me try and, again, back it away from the political realm because that's not the point I'm trying to make. What I have noticed with a lot of big companies that are founded by very dynamic, influential leaders is that for the time that that founder is alive, the company really speaks in their voice. That Mm -hmm. one individual sort of sets the tone of what the message of that company is. And it's not uncommon when a person like that passes away or retires that there becomes this sort of division of voice to where the company isn't really speaking from a solitary place. It's this sort of fragmented, fractured public presence that they have. And and that's what I see with Disney because you you have just, you you know, there's so many people that are in the public eye in that company and it's, it's just, it's a, it's a fragmented, message that they're sending to the world. But I don't see anything in their mission statement that says that, you know, publicly injecting themselves into these divisive issues is in any way consistent with that. I think it's patently inconsistent with that. And I just think that if they're going to continue to have success selling us an escape from the real world, then they need to not intentionally inject themselves into these issues. I'm not saying and, and let me be clear about something. That doesn't mean they can't be activists in their own way. If they think that a particular group of people is being oppressed generally, then do something for them. If they think that, you know, the world as a whole is discriminatory in hiring practices, then don't be discriminatory in those hiring practices. If you think that the world as a whole is underpaying people at the lowest levels of earning, then raise your minimum pay. Like there's a lot of things you can do in order to help people that need help. The problem is not that they have a heart or that they're empathetic, the problem is that they do something and then they go say, look what we did. Look how good we are. They're looking for the pat on the back. self-congratulation there. That is not what altruism is. Altruism is when you do something good for the sake of it being good. If you're doing it for the sake of credit, then it's not altruistic. And unfortunately, well, let me rephrase that. And based on their mission statement, not only is this thing that they continue to do, not altruistic. It's not consistent with their stated mission. So look, if what they want to be is an activist corporation, then change the mission statement. Say that's what they want to do. But right now what they're saying that they want to do is sell a creative and innovative entertainment experience that takes you away from the real world. And by involving themselves constantly with real world issues that are near and dear to the hearts of millions of people, they are necessarily alienating large numbers of those people in the process of doing so. That is simply a
0: bad leadership strategy. I'm going to uh, try to navigate this uh, as as cleverly as I can. Uh, I think I can agree with you. But I also think that uh, you're assigning attributes to a company that may not necessarily be assigned to the company, but rather certain individuals of the company. I, I, um, I want
2: to say, not to interrupt you. I hear you there, and I yeah. and I I think there's a del- I I agree with you, and okay. I think there's a delicate line here, and I don't know what the right answer is. But I never remember this company. I. This seems like a new phenomenon. I I will say that.
0: I think we can both agree that lawyers all suck, right? Absolutely. Okay. So since we're in agreement there, uh, historically, when Disney has entered the social zeitgeist in the internet era, everything from Disney Parks blog posts to uh, Twitter messages to Instagram messages, that any of their public facing people uh, gets run through a team of lawyers. Uh, we've been privy to things where Zach Ridley made a post that had, uh, unedited things or commentary that was kept in an Instagram post before it was, uh, actually before it was ready to to be gone live. They put it, put it live. Um, that type of thing happens all the time with a company like this who is so large and doesn't know how to handle something like social media. But to your point, and let's let's call it what it is. You're trying to dance around it, but I'm I'm pretty sure you're talking about the Desantis argument that has. I,
2: I'm not. No. So okay, I I, I have to respond. Okay. I, I did. I am not limiting to that. I think what okay. the company the company seems to be very eager to pander, and the problem well, is they don't even they don't even well, let me finish. They don't even follow through. You know. So let's take Splash Mountain as an example. It is. Loosely, I guess, or somewhat based on Song of the South, which is a movie that has not been available for viewing in any legitimate channel. Since,
0: since Laserdisc was a thing.
2: For a long time. Yes. Certainly since the current generation of young Disney fans has been alive. Mm-hmm. I suspect strongly that most people that have ridden that attraction on a casual basis had no clue that, it, that that movie existed and certainly had no clue that they were correlated. And I'm not at all defending what. You know, messaging might have been present in that film, but mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, this is not that. There is nothing substantive in that ride that is racist or problematic, as far as I could see. And if I'm no, wrong, there isn't. Correct it, right. But it,
0: the source material absolutely is. We've had this discussion, so I'm, but, I'm but, not, I'm, let's let's table that because well, no, 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 no.
2: I, I I haven't finished making my point yet, so I'm not going to table it. The company just. Sua sponte, of its own accord decided to to send this message you know out speak Spanish. that they were going to change the ride because of how problematic it is, and then they didn't do it. So it's 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 just empty promises, it's nonsense. Stay in your lane. Keep entertaining people, keep creating fantasy, stop, stop trying to change the world. That's that's not your fucking job. And quite frankly, they're terrible at it. So they should they should stick to what they're used to be good at.
0: I think what we have here is poor leadership right now yes. because think, think of what you just cited that it, this is not the the uh, uh, change to Princess and the Frog was not the first time that discussions of changing Splash Mountain have taken place. Even when the, when it was being built, they recognized the problems with the source material. But the, the pandering that is happening, I think you hit it correctly. And this is where I'm citing individuals perhaps being the problem and not necessarily the company as a whole. That, uh, if you want to control the messaging, when it came to the, uh, the bill that was passed in Florida, Chapek was trying to be silent, but had a enough of a vocal group of cast members that said, Hey, you need to support us. We, uh, you have some, uh, LGBTQ cast members that represent a significant portion of your workforce in Florida. And the company is not defending that workforce. And so he came out, but, uh, depending on which side of the, uh, argument you're on, he came out and either should stay in his lane or came out too late and it was too little too late. So, I don't really know what the right answer is here, but to well, clearly, your point cle- – Clearly not getting involved is a better answer if getting well, involved can't win. I, I think think the answer is uh, I don't know that we ran into these issues. This is going to – me – fuck, I'm defending Bob Iger again. Uh, I don't know that we <laughs> ran into these issues as much with him. Well, that, that's ha- my whole point is this is a new phenomenon. He had they, – they, they know how to handle the public relations thing or at least did up until February of 2020. And then something changed. It might be the new CEO who just doesn't know how to handle a company of this magnitude. And he very well could be the most business savvy person behind the scenes. We don't really know, but as a as the uh, the public face of this company, man, he is atrocious. Yeah, he's he's terrible. So anyway, let's let's move away from JPEG.
2: I should have just ref- I should have titled my thing. I should have just stuck with Fire JPEG. That really is, <laughs> that really covers it all. That's the and paper look, cut My need point. To do. I, I, I want to just just for the sake of record and saving people who are reeing in the comments right now. I, I am not saying that companies shouldn't stand up for what's right. I'm saying that this th- this is not why this company exists. Okay, like I don't go to my grocery store. I don't want to walk through a line of protesters when I'm going to buy a head of lettuce right? I'm not saying that what they're protesting for isn't right or isn't good. I'm not taking a side. This is a politically agnostic point. My point is that this is not the forum for it. I can't imagine a worse forum for it. This is the place that you get away from because it isn't the fucking political forum. And Bob Iger has failed so miserably to create unity within the ranks of his organization that they are providing the messaging in the absence of Corporate authority. Bob Chapek. That is a failure on his part, period. Uh, Uh, Bob Chapek. Fuck all the (laughs) bobs.
0: Also, uh, is the lettuce you're getting free range?
2: Uh, It is. It is also wild caught. Okay. Okay. Gluten free? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Can you uh, get gluten it, and lettuce? I would actually take <laughs> gluten-infused lettuce. I, I, I deep-fried lettuce, you tell me. <laughs> uh, does it have an extra drop of Retson? I don't even know what that is, so I'm going to take it as disrespect. It, it was a certs commercial from like the I 90s. I remember and that. That and was, was the like, drop of shit that went in the middle. It was, it was like, now with an extra drop of Retson. None of us know what that is. Why does that? get I remember
2: it the little flakes that were in those things. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah. Well
0: played, sir. It's secretly arsenic. Okay.
2: <laughs> and I'm
0: going to throw one out here that, I, again, we've discussed before, but not necessarily directly in this context. Uh, on the last show, Josh asked for an update and improvement to the food quality. Uh, I want to see a similar upgrade to the merchandise offerings. Agreed. I, I didn't I ask for that, too.
2: That was on my list. I don't
0: know. I don't really listen when you talk. I tuned you out after you said food. But <laughs> uh, nice. I mean, I don't care if it's like made-to-order stuff, like those Epcot posters that I bought all of, uh, or... But like when I, when I go to the parks, uh, or just the resort in general, I go to Marketplace Co-op and Art of Disney. If I'm going to spend money, it's going to be in either of those two places because that's where they have the most unique stuff. And I recognize that they're, they've got to cater to the masses as well, but they have so many damn shops in Walt Disney World that there has to be those niche items as well. So personally, I'd love it if they had more subtle t-shirts and things that were more appropriate and less in-your-face for adults. Uh, my favorite Disney shirts uh, that I own are plain black t-shirts with an Epcot Center Pavilion logo on them. They were $14 at the 2011 D23 Expo in the Mickeys of Glendale shop. And I didn't realize what Mickeys of Glendale was until day three of the Expo. So I didn't get the Horizons one. I didn't get the Imagination one, but I got all of the other ones. Um and they were far and away the best Disney item that I've purchased in the last 20 years. Um, And it's subtle, and unless you know what you're looking at, it's just, all right. that's a random design on a black t-shirt. But if somebody knows that that's the Spaceship Earth logo, then you have a conversation with them. So, those are the types of things that I want to see more of. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Uh, uh, Ben, what else do you have? Uh... Fix the little things.
1: I mentioned that last time, uh, but I want to stress that again now. And what I'm referring to here is the things Very that, vague. <laughs> well, uh, Len and and Jim brought it up on their last show, and it just struck me uh, as one of the examples that they pointed out. But we lost a lot of things during COVID. We lost yep. a lot of water effects. We lost a lot of small effects right. based on you know things they thought were good to keep us all safe from COVID. Uh, now that that's Kind of, you know, I won't say it's past, but I don't know if the science holds up that turning off a water effect and living with the land will help keep you from getting COVID. Uh, you know, they you haven't, think? they haven't turned a lot of these things back on. Right. They haven't, and I don't want them. I, I do fear that, you know, by turning it off during these time periods, maybe enough hasn't been said to get them to put it back on. And it's a way to save some money on, when running an attraction. But uh, Josh said earlier about the what was your six flags term that you threw out there? Six flags vacation.
2: That is correct. So, okay. uh,
1: I, I hope they realize that the thing that really sets them apart from these six flags of the world are these small effects. It's yep. the little things that you don't see in these other parks. Uh, it's funny. I, the, there was a video that leaked the other day of the Iron Man audio animatronic uh, that's going to be on the uh, re-theme of and Roller Coaster at Disney Studios Paris. Yep, And – He's standing at a uh, he's standing at a panel, you know, pretending like the, the click, you know, hit some some stuff on this panel while he talks to the guests that pass by. And I look at him like, oh, cool. That looks exactly like Cyborg that Sally Corporation has put in on every Justice League ride at every Six Flags. Like it's mm-hmm. literally a rip off of something that's been uh, in Six Flags parks for about five years now. And it, it's it's the same setup. It looks exactly the same. So they're big things like that the, these other parks are already doing. It's the little small tiny details on these rides that stand out above these other parks. and they they took some they took a lot of this away over the last two years and they're not putting them back into effect as fast as they took them away from us if that makes sense. Uh, they they they, hopefully can understand that those are the things it's, it's just the tiniest little deals that we're not used to seeing at our local parks that makes dizzy so special that the things that we fell in love with as kids, um, and and again, as simple as the water effect in the rainforest scene at Listen with the Land, yep. uh, living with the land. I'm like, yep. You know what? That water is still turned off, and they're using a cheap lighting effect to try to pull it off, and it's not the
0: same. Turn the water back on. <laughs> you know, I've got a we lot hear, of stuff that kind of fits in this description. So I mean, we, if you've got, go through them. Well, I, I just, <laughs> I'll let you
1: go through them here in a second. I just go back to I'm hearing nothing but record profits every time that we have a <laughs> uh, earnings call. Uh, you know.
2: Use what a disney of that benefits money. from more than almost anything else is non-discriminating fans <laughs> yes uh people I mean, it's just true blindly
0: hand over their wallets
2: it's true i yep. mean they, they yeah. keep lowering the quality of what they're offering and
0: raising the price and the lines get longer so i you know <laughs> well, what do you expect so i've got i've got a bunch of stuff that has been turned off and then uh small am changes. i on the list because i'm turned off uh, small changes to things that like, it's not necessarily things that were turned off, but small changes, small tweaks to things that would make things better. So I'll just kind of go through them. Uh We've mentioned it again, not in the paper, tu- uh, paper cuts context, but the timing on the space mountain, uh, space mountain reentry tunnel, uh the timing on, on this, our spaceship earth. We may have mentioned that in the last show. Where the audio used to be right as the uh, the reveal of the Earth was there. Uh, on Space Mountain, the timing of the re-entry tunnel has been off since they did the refurb you know, a decade ago. The Pepper's Ghost Effect is not on the Progress City model in uh, uh, Tomorrowland Speedway. When I went on in November, it would say, uh, I think it was said, if you can dream it, you can do it. And then, let's see. Not necessarily something that was turned off, but uh, uh, the ho- the horse-drawn carriage on Spaceship Earth, uh, the mm-hmm, printing press mm-hmm. wheel on Spaceship Earth, the Horizons gravity wheel in Mission Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, in terms of things that can be added, uh, I've said this before, at the end of Tower of Terror, there's a ventriloquist dummy at the end of it. All I want is for the head to turn slightly and the eyes to blink, and it would be <laughs> freaky as hell you mentioned water effects i think there needs to be water effects on runaway railway um there's a couple of different spots where they could do it and it would just add to the attraction other things the air cannon blast on pirates of the caribbean they came they were there like post refurb you know four refurbs ago uh but it was a really cool effect and it would if it was working correctly could blast somebody's hat off uh, and really just startled people and made that opening, not not really the opening sequence, but the opening action sequence, I guess, one of the coolest scenes in any Disney attraction anywhere. And just adding that additional effect. But there's a ton of stuff like that that uh, exists throughout the park. If we meticulously went through every ride, we can probably come up with a lot more of that stuff as well. Do you guys have any other similar things in that vein before we move on to the next category? I have a different one. Okay. Go for it. I think the company needs to stop announcing vaporware.
2: They've gotten really bad at this. Um, D 23 has become sort of a tool for them to drum up excitement, but they are violating the number one rule of making a product announcement, which is that you actually have to have the product. Not Um, necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) they deliver like 50% of them. (laughs) (laughs) They're, they're not batting a very high percentage on this one. Um, it, this is just one of the sort of fundamental rules of business, which is that you want to control expectations. You want to under promise and over deliver. That's how you develop right. a f- brand affinity over time. And Disney does the exact opposite. Every D23, they present a half baked idea for something in the parks. They produce some Rorschach test version of, you know, concept <laughs> art that is indecipherable from anything. And then half the time they don't even start to actually build what they might've painted and when they do, half the time, they either change it dramatically, generally diminishing the quality of it, or they abandon it altogether. And again, uh, you know, yeah, there's an asterisk here with COVID, but again, they're a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation. Mm-hmm. They need to be ones that are capable of, of of handling these things. And the fact of the matter is that when you look at the promises that this company has made in terms of what they're putting in the parks, they have either failed to deliver completely, and I'll point to the uh, what is it? I can never remember the name of that, uh, resort, uh, reflections.
0: Yep. Reflections. Um, the you know, just lakeside retirement
2: home. just walked away and left a whole, that whole, uh, you know, area there where the hoop doo do review and all that. Now it's, you know, there's a construction fence there. It's now a mess. It's worse than it was whenever river country was there. Uh, the observation building, which was the coolest thing they were going to put in Epcot. They're not doing that. You know, that whole park right. is still a construction construction site. Um, you know, they just they just do I, this. It's like, look,
0: I understand. I don't think com- we were going to be ones going into that observation building. Uh,
2: maybe not. Uh, well, well, well but I, n- I, stop uh, not stratifying the Disney experience is another one of my paper cut things here. But, um, you know, the fact is the company gets to decide what they announce and yep. they get to decide what they build. It's not like I'm saying you need to build this and they're saying, no, we can't do it. They said they were going to build it, and then they didn't <laughs> do it. If but, you're uh, not going to deliver it, you're not don't allowed to talk Promise to it. it to me. Yeah. Was,
1: uh, one on my list was finish the Circle Vision movies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm right China's there with still you in, in development. Yeah. You <laughs> know, it, it, part of the you got D23 coming up, and you know, we they need to bat better than uh, you know 500. 300. Uh, yeah, 300 <laughs> even right now on what they announce. Like you got it right now. Whatever you come out with this summer at D23 everything should be built yeah. everything
2: yep. instead you, it, of the uh, the the water paintings that they normally show they need to have blueprints yep. there at D23 yep. if they want to redeem any credibility they need to stop yep. doing what they've been doing they are it, really, they're really they imagine if apple came out and said we're we're launching a 15-inch ipad and then they're like eh we're just not going to do it it's so like yep. you, you can't do that you, you know no one put a gun to your head and said you had to promise the world this but if you're going to promise the world this you got to do it well
1: you know you also I It's exactly right. Apple's a great uh, example there. Uh, They're not hurting for money. Like, everything announced, they can build. Even from the last D23, they can still build all that crap. They can build Mary Poppins in the UK Pavilion. They can build it all. They're making money hand over fist right now and it's reinvestment or just it, th- at this point do they care about the guests or do they just care about the shareholders i think we kind of know the answer right now uh I but mean, that, how and, long have
2: uh, they been building tron I mean, <laughs> oh that's, my that's God. the most embarrassing thing i've ever seen first movie yeah. came out in what 1980 <laughs> <I know>. yep <laughs>
0: Uh, um, no, I, I'm right there
1: with you. I, I I had just the circle vision itself, but yes, it was going to make a comment of, you know, especially going into this Dex, Dex D23, if they don't think they can make it, don't bring it up. Yeah. Br- only bring up things that are 1000% going to get built. Correct. If they don't, this is the third straight one that they over deliver, uh, over promise, under deliver. And, uh, you know, only one of us on this show is stupid enough to keep going to that
2: thing and, and falling for it. I I consider that a betrayal. of <laughs> What this show stands for. So uh, we're gonna, him, so we're, we're going to ignore that.
1: <laughs> are you going? Which are you going? All
2: sessions or how's this? You go, You're going right. We, we can talk about that. But. <laughs> he bought the deluxe dishonesty package, so he gets all you of
0: look, the presentations. There is a single concept designer at Walt Disney Imagineering that is at fault here. One guy. His name is Greg Pro. He does all of those sweeping, fantastic pieces of concept art. If you look at the 2009 D23 Expo when they announced New Fantasyland, it was his art that was there that had the Cinderella area, the uh, Briar Rose area, the uh, the Tinkerbell area that get that, that was – change like that, over you're absolutely blaming the wrong guy uh, and so then like, like this
2: guy's boss to 20- comes to it says paint this he paints that and then the company doesn't build it and you're gonna blame the dude the
0: i'm being an <laughs> asshole here obviously uh <laughs> then fast forward to 2015 The next time that they had announcements toy story land he builds the he shows the piece of concept art with the trenches that they don't end up building and and the uh the toy story uh uh Al's Toy Barn that they don't end up building. And that gets changed and everybody complains that they, they value engineered Toy Story Land. So, I love that uh, you know this guy's name. That's actually Well, I impressive. looked him up because he's actually a pretty good Twitter follow. But he does a lot of this concept art uh, for Disney. I love and, the concept art. I just hate the shit they build that's but based yeah, on it's, it. yeah, it's, it's so laughable. If you go through, uh, they had announcements in 2009, 2011, they had a panel and just forgot to announce anything. Uh, I think they, you know what, I think they announced some like single themed nights that they were going to do in Disneyland that they didn't do 2013 they didn't have the panel 15 i believe is when they announced star wars and toy story and then you kind of go on from there where there's always something or multiple things that they announce that don't get built and it is kind of laughable i remember back in the um wdw fanboys days this is when jim hill was even more of a punching bag than i think he is today uh where i asked the question who is more credible you or jay rizzulo and he laughed at the question because like the the last five things that jay rizzulo had announced were hyperion wharf um what was some of the other ones well there was a big oh the uh the the princess um, not the princess, the pixie hollow and just a bunch of things like that. We're just, it, never it, it is a great joke.
2: You know, when yeah. the rumor site are batting a higher percentage than the actual top management of the company, yeah. that's, the, that's like a problem. The
0: CFO <laughs> or the head of the parks. <laughs> so some other things on here, uh, and this is more generality. They've got a lot more specific ones here, but, uh, I don't know if you guys are going to agree with this. Reduce the duration of Epcot festivals to make them feel more special. I disagree.
2: Um, and I'm going to tell you why I disagree. Okay. There are two types of guests, really. The ones that could go whenever they want and the ones who only get to go when they're able to go. For the ones who go whenever they want, there's not really any amount of specialness. And that's not the, that's really not the guest that the company's catering to anyway. And for the guests that can only go when they go, what matters to them is whether or not they get to have that experience. So, you know, <laughs> it's the wrong kind of special when you show up and the festival that you wanted to be able to see ended last week or doesn't start until the week after you leave.
0: I mean, it's a fair argument. It's more just a matter of you now have 300 days of festivals at Epcot. Yeah, I
2: understand. But so. that. But uh, I'll try and respond in a different way. One Part of the core value of Epcot in the beginning was that it was a permanent World's Fair. Mm-hmm. So and maybe this is going to be a hard one to sort of bring to completion. But it is – permanence was a, a part of it you know the world's fair was a temporary thing epcot is permanent this is sort of a hybrid in that it has these quasi-permanent things that cycle through it's kind of nice that there's always some festival going on but it's a different festival so maybe if you go in the fall you get to see
0: uh you know yeah, i food mean they, they have mixed it up and they've spread it out so it is different each season but yeah Let let me ask, let's let's pivot the question a little bit. How
2: many rotating festivals do you think they'd have to have to where you think they'd strike a balance between there always being something special going on and it not almost always being the same thing? Like imagine they had, there's four seasons. Imagine you had four, a season for each festival. Okay, imagine
0: you had five. (laughs) 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 I mean, basically what they had done. What's the fourth one? uh, Festival of the Arts. The festival of Holidays, Arts, Flower and Garden, and Food okay. and Wine. Okay. So, uh, like they had taken the summer off, and now Food and Wine has crept into it because Food and Wine is the anchor to it, and now all of the other ones are getting those food booths. They're just calling them something different. Now it's yeah. an outdoor kitchen as opposed to a food booth. Yeah. So I mean, they're they're becoming homogenized, even though they have their own uniqueness. Uh, what's interesting is this the The thing that works is selling food and alcohol, and they're putting that as part of all of them. And that is the only thing that really goes on for food and wine uh, now, whereas the other ones have the other themes. So like the holidays, you have the storytellers, Flower and Garden, you have uh, the great work by the horticulture team and all the topiaries that are around and all that stuff. Uh, The Festival of the Arts, they bring in a lot of stuff, but they also supplement it with food and booze. I mean, I would uh, let me pitch another idea to
2: you. Food and wine are part and parcel to what Epcot is. So, how mm-hmm. about we just make expanded food and alcohol offerings part of what is Epcot, and then we have three festivals that alternate throughout the twelve months. So they are they are more rare because they're going to be well. I guess they'd be running for longer, but I, I don't know. How, I, I'd have to stop and think about that.
0: I've always thought that something like the Odyssey could function as a best of the various festival food offerings. Yeah. That- like having a venue like, but anyway, uh, I mean, this of of the issues that Epcot has about eight hundred forty seventh on the list, um, and not a hill that I'm going to die on. But I just saw <laughs> it on my list as something that could perhaps spark discussion. Yeah, I mean, to me, one of the biggest problems I have at a lot
2: of the parks is the food offerings and the lack of alcohol. Um, Epcot is a winner in that, no matter all, <laughs> despite the you know endless list of travesties that have taken place there and continue to. Uh, at least you can drink them away.
0: I've got a couple of food items I'm going to hit here. Uh, one, put the gray stuff back on the menu at Be Our Guest. Yep. Uh, you, have a, you have a restaurant called Be Our Guest where that is a lyric in the song and you yep. miss the mark. Uh, that's, a dumb, that's an unforced error. Uh, and it Sports wasn't reference. until guests started asking the question about it. <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> uh, then there needs to be a Monte Cristo sandwich akin to the three cheese Monte Cristo at Cafe Orleans somewhere on Disney World property uh, or available yes. as some sort of intravenous drug.
2: And a corn dog. <laughs> do yeah, and the corn dogs. Do you have intervenus taste buds? I think that might be a <laughs> miss. That might not be
0: worth it. You know, since COVID, everybody lost their taste buds. So um, those corn dogs, Ben, were available at one point. I don't know if they still are. But it was at
1: Disney Springs though, wasn't it? Yeah, down yeah, to-
0: they had a, like a, a food truck at Disney Springs that had. Those. I don't.
1: I mean, I don't even think they were still that quality though. They're, they're, no, they D- were The Disneylands were on another level.
0: I'm not uh, big on corn dogs uh, at all, uh, Josh. I don't know if you ever had one of these in Disneyland. They are. So phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I've never had one at
2: Disneyland, the, but I can tell you that I love corn dogs.
0: You could say the best corn dog I've ever had. And really, like the, uh, I'm not one to gravitate towards corn dogs. Far and away the best corn dog that I've ever had. Probably the best hot dog that I've ever had, too. It concerns me you don't like. Who doesn't love corn dogs? It's more that just like it's an indifference towards it. Oh, God, the crispiness. <laughs>
2: Will you, t- tell me, please tell me you put mustard on it.
0: Uh, no, this, this doesn't need anything on it. It's yeah. well it's, but your it's general of really fine.
2: Uh, lack of appreciation for corn dogs leads me to believe that you have a deficiency in your condiment choice.
0: I'm I'm not a mustard fan. Uh, okay, I, I try not to I, I try not to put ketchup <laughs> on hot dogs. I know that's sacrilegious. Oh Jesus. I'm I'm more in line for like if if I'm going to get a hot dog, I'm looking for something that's like loaded with, you know, chili, salsa, stuff like that. That's more not loaded. a hot dog. I understand. That's a chili I, I, dog. It's a it's a conduit for other things that I like. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs>
2: All right, we'll, we'll talk after the show. We'll get you fixed up, don't <laughs> worry. Daddy's There's got a you. great
0: John Stewart bit ranting about uh, hot dogs and the difference between Chicago and New York. It was great. One of yes. the best bits ever. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> the, the pure only, anger of the, the only <laughs> acceptable ingredients on a hot dog is mustard, relish, and stagnant cart water. <laughs> that's right.
2: The cart water is very critical.
0: Also, yeah, you no. want to look at the uh,
2: the amount of uh, molybdenum that's in the tongs that they use to pull it out. Very. Well, yeah,
0: you know <laughs> you don't know uh, sorry go ahead let's untether the guns at Buzz Lightyear <laughs> yeah yeah. and Re- then you can update it to the movie you untether the guns you call it uh, Lightyear's uh, Space Ranger spin it gets an update and uh, also change the color of the pew pews um, hmm. I think I mentioned that last time but yeah untether the guns there alright I- I've added something of value uh have you? Ben, ben, <laughs> ben, do you have uh, anything uh, anything else you'd like to add?
1: Uh, add Lightyear to Disney World Space Mountain.
0: Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> Jerk.
2: I'm just going to run through my list here Firebob Chapek. Stop ignoring the things that are broken and fucking up the things that work. Stop announcing vaporware. <laughs> stop stratifying the Disney experience. Uh, kick, stop kick Ben thinking. off nope. the show. Hey. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, l- let me try and boil it down. If I had to put all of what I had to say in a blender and pour it out and have it be one thing. It's this start caring about the guest again. What made this company great is that it, you went there and you felt special. It's like these people were bending over backwards to give you an amazing experience. And over time that has just gone away to where what it feels like they're trying to do is turn you upside down and shake all the money out of your pocket. And look, I think that when you provide a great experience and you get people to voluntarily pay for it, That is what capitalism is about, this voluntary exchange. You know, make it worth a lot of money. And then charge me a lot of money. Don't nickel and dime me to the point where I get so tired of it that I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Because in the long run, that isn't good for your shareholders. It's not good for any of your stakeholders. It is is the long-term view that this company has lost. And what they need to do is look down the road a little further. And think about the kids of the people that are going there now and make sure that it is such an awesome experience that it can't be replaced by any of their competitors. And right now, in my opinion, they're not doing that.
0: Uh, Josh, I know that you're a fan of, kind of watching debate and debate tactics. Uh, You've already lost though, when you're using the term nickel and dime, because they're $20 bill and $50 (laughs) billing you to death, not nickel and diming you to death. Fair Uh, When when you've conceded that it's, you know, five cents here, 10 cents there, not even close. I think
2: I was being figurative and not literal, but I, but your point (laughs) is well taken.
0: It's hard to say 20ing and hundying. (laughs) Jacksoning and granting.
2: You know, look, I think what they offer has value for sure. And I guess what I'm really trying to say is make it – look, if you want to double or triple the price at a cost to have a Disney experience, then double or triple the value that you deliver. Don't cut it in half. Yeah. And what they seem to be doing – and I this is the one item I didn't get to. I, I guess I'll mention it really quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time getting into it. but. You know, Disney used to be a very egalitarian experience. And I've mentioned this before. Coke used to have this motto that everybody drinks the same Coke, whether you're the, you know, the leader of a country or, uh, you know, a poor person who's, who can afford to drink one Coke a week, you get the same Coke. It's a sort of unifying experience. And that's what Disney used to be. You go, you pay your price for admission, you buy your ticket books. And then for the most part, everyone there is having the same experience. And the business model of Disney over time has really revolved around separating people out by what they can afford. And the more you can afford, the better experience you can get. That's a very real world concept. It goes back to my sort of the the first point that I made about, you know, stop bringing the real world into this. This is supposed to be fantasy. Where money doesn't matter, where the millionaire can stand next to the pauper and they can both have the same experience, a shared experience. That's, that's part of community. That's part of, that's a very human thing. That's very much about what Disney films are about, connecting these differences and closing these gaps and understanding one another. Uh, you know, it, it's, this company is in such an incredibly powerful position to unite. And instead what they're doing is looking at the bottom line on a very short term basis and they're dividing. You know, if you're a DVC, you get this. If you're staying on property, you get that. And I'm not saying that all of that should go away, but I think they've taken it to the point where now the quality of the experience for a person who's going to go and, you know, who makes, I think if you have a household income of less than six figures, you really can't go have a first class Disney experience. They're not even you're... hiding
0: it anymore. They're openly no. talking about it during shareholder meetings. They're saying these are the guests that we want. Which yeah. I, I don't get me wrong. I understand it from a business perspective that they want the, they don't want the annual pass holders because uh, on a per day basis, they're paying the least amount of money. However, when the, uh, when the parks are dead, you want those annual pass holders. So right. they, they, they want to pick and choose when those people arrive. And that's in itself a problem. And and I am not
2: I am not at all an anti business person. I mean I'm a business professor. I mean I I support business. But a I believe. Be, don't. recall names now? Think um, <laughs> of <up> your mind. <laughs> I think that I'm both. I I think that business. Are you a
0: pilot? I don't know what you do.
2: Yeah, I, I have ADD. <laughs> I I think that in the long-term businesses succeed when they do a good job of serving their stakeholders. So uh, I, I won't spend a lot of time on this, I promise. But there's this concept Quality of business. Quality is
0: called- the best business plan.
2: Yeah. There's this this concept of business called the stakeholder theory. And, it's, and it says that what businesses who are businesses that are successful what they do is they align the interests of the people that are affected by them so and this goes to the reedy creek thing it goes to employee issues it goes to customer issues it says that the job of the top management team is to find out what does the community need from this company what right. do the employees need what do the consumers need and it's the it's the leadership's job to find ways to make those align you don't always want to just screw over the consumer for the sake of the community or screw over the community for the sake of the guest or screw over the guest for the sake of the employees. That's not leadership. That's just pandering to whatever the squeakiest wheel is at the moment. What the intelligent, really empathetic and caring leadership does is they say, look, yeah, we're not 100% in agreement on everything, but how do we run this organization in a way that is as good as it can possibly be for all the people that are touched and affected by it. And that doesn't mean that you're never going to upset people. You just have to live with that. It doesn't mean you're not going to hurt people's feelings. You just have to live with that. But that's what you need to strive to do. And when I listen to Bob Chapek talk, and I when I look at D23, and I when I watch the prices, and when I see the quality of what I get, what I see is it's almost the opposite of that. It's like who they're really serving is the leadership themselves, which is the most untenable situation that you can have because there's always going to be an expiration date on that. And maybe it's six months, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 30 years. But you don't build a brand that stands the test of time by screwing over the people that you're depending on.
0: That, and they need to change the sign inside the Caesar Nemo and Friends Pavilion so that it no longer <laughs> says return to future world, and instead hmm. says return to world nature. Tim, I love Can you. we get this done? <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know what? Screw everything I said. Let's fix that side. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me, let me end my rant with something positive. I, th- I thought I did. It's all, it's all fixable. <laughs> okay. Just, you got to care more. Yep. Y- you got to be a little less selfish. You got to care a lot more. You got to start making better decisions. And when you have a company that's been successful for what is 1930, like almost a hundred years now, you got to look at what yes, made Yes, pretty it much work. we're at 99 years. Time to stop ignoring the history that made you successful and start respecting the people that built the empire that you are dependent on. Can we also bring back the moving walkway on the Space Mountain exit area? I insist. <laughs> Although the new one's not bad. That's one of the changes I made that I thought was actually not too terrible. But I, I do have a lot of nostalgia for the old one. I, I still need the moving walkway. I'm yep. way too lazy to climb up those. Do you uh, remember how rooms? springy that was under your feet? It was, a that was real, great after walking all day. Like that was a real treat on the feet. <laughs> <laughs> ben, bar. did
0: you have anything else? No, I think I got all mine in there. I mean, I, I've still got 50 more, but uh, we could do this. Um, we will have more of uh, more of these shows. So I'll save it for that. Um, if you have any Does, questions or good. As
2: I was gonna say, this episode of paper cuts was brought to you by Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> Yes,
0: they are our official paper provider of the Marty Called podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. Ben, where can we find you online? You can find me
1: on Twitter at
0: backside underscore water. And Josh, same question.
2: Utilidors.com spelled incorrectly, of course,
0: by adding an extra O. You can find me at WDW Theme Parks on Twitter and WDWThemeparks.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Be excellent to each other. Uh.
1: 7 section 3 allows for a citizen filibuster if i stand here and refuse to yield my time you're prohibited from voting on the bill let the filibustering begin as many of you have noted that use the internet it's been announced that disney has acquired the rights to the star wars franchise and in the summer of 2015 we'll see the release of star wars episode 7 herewith is my proposal for the plot of that movie begin with standard title sequence and john williams fanfare followed by a scroll to be written well i would like to mention that brian de palmer wrote the original opening scroll for star wars episode 4 a new hope i think it'd be a nice nod for uh, the franchise if if he were to write this opening scroll then pan down from the twin sons of tatooine uh where we now close in on the mouth of the sarlacc pit after a beat the gloved mandalorian armor gauntlet of Boba Fett grabs onto the sand outside the Sarlacc pit, and the feared bounty hunter pulls himself from the maw of the sand beast. And we, and we realize that he survived his fall during the battle at Jabba's uh, palace ship. Then to a hard cut to the repurposed Imperial Destroyer, which has now been taken over by the Rebels, Commander Luke Skywalker, now a full Jedi Knight, training new Padawans as using, ironically, his father Anakin's red lightsaber, which will be a symbolic visual for this battle and how to both bring the new Jedi Order while still acknowledging his father's fall from grace. As he is trading the Padawans, we pan outside the control window to a nearby asteroid where we see, and please allow me to finish this because this is going to seem like a bit of a jump, but we see Thanos, who is the villain tease at the end of the first Avengers movie. Now Thanos, as you know, owns the Infinity Gauntlet, which has the Time Gem, the Mind Gem, the Power Gem, the Space Gem, and the Reality Gem. If he holds the Reality Gem, that means he can jump from different realities, This will be our link to the Marvel Universe from the Star Wars universe. Oh, and then we cut to Earth. Uh, Tony Stark uh, realizes uh, Tony Stark realizes uh, Tony Stark realizes I do not recognize the chair. Tony Stark realizes that this has been a disturbance in what he would call the Time Ribbon. From, from the time being, I will allow J.J. Abrams to think of a better term for this, uh, and, and then he starts to assemble the cream of the Marvel Universe, not the second-tier superheroes that we saw in the first Avengers movie. I'm sorry, but Hawkeye and Black Widow, you're not first-tier. He would go find, uh, (laughs) hello, Spider-Man. Spider-Man exists in this universe. He would go find Moon Knight. He would go find Daredevil. He would go find, uh, Hercules. And then he can bring the entire, uh, pantheon of Greek gods that we saw in the Clash of the Wrath of the Titans. So now we have a giant three franchise tie in. Now we cut back to the Imperial Star Destroyer. Uh, Luke gets a visit from, and we only saw this from the boots up. So so we show like the black boots uh, with the, uh, and then we pan up and oh God, it's Han Solo! But he's old, old and grizzled, and really like focused and cool. Like he's been, uh, he's seen some really bad stuff. And it actually seems shaken. And uh, Luke is uh like what's wrong old buddy and then he then when han drops chewbacca's severed head onto the floor yes right in front of the padawans please let me finish thank you the padawans are all horrified and and han says that the planet uh kashik has been destroyed by the mysterious force now, we know uh, this was Thanos. Thanos is beginning to, uh, you know, gather power in this new universe. So uh, while they take Chewie's head down to the uh, to cause, uh, we're, we're seeing that, you know, that they, they could build new bodies. Uh, they've, they're going to build Chewie this really cool robot. I'm thinking spider robot. And, you know, a cool spider body with Chewie's head and the ion cannons on it. Uh, but the, that, that will uh, be in the uh, – he'll come back. That'll be the, the post-credits tease of the film, so keep that in mind. So I don't want you guys bummed out because Chewbacca's not dead. He will come back, uh, and then and then he and Han, uh, Luke, Luke uh, looks down, and Han's wedding ring is gone. Hey, what happened You with you and Leia? What happened? And Han's like, don't even get me started on that. So where did Leia go? Where did Leia go? She's not gone, but we will find out. I... Uh, I, I am a citizen filibuster. Thank you, and really, thank you for respecting my uh, our town's laws by interrupting me during this. Uh, where was I? Uh, yes. Uh, then that. Then the. the uh, then the edge of the star destroyer's orbit suddenly. The time ribbon begins wavering, and what comes through the X Men's Quinjet? That's right. What. Did, uh, what, what, what we did was back on Earth we showed him gathering up all the heroes but we didn't see him gathering up the X-Men so oh my goodness uh, now Wolverine's going to be there now Cyclops is going to be there so the Quinjet comes through Luke gets in his X-Wing uh, to go out uh, and meet them and they engage in this awesome star battle and it looks like the Quinjet actually is going to shoot down Luke and suddenly the volley of lasers comes in and what comes flying in is we think uh, it's going to be the Millennium Falcon just like in episode 4 when he comes in and saves the uh, him during the battle in Yavin, but no, it's Slave 1. That's right. Yeah, Boba Fett's ship, Slave 1. Uh, it has to save Luke because of course he's trying to track Han. He can't have Luke die, so then uh, it's a battle between the Quinjet, between the X-Wing, between Slave 1, and then we see the Millennium Falcon is flying away, so now Slave 1 is flying off to go do that. But then we cut down to Curacao, where Princess Leia is, uh, 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 is now consulting with Lando Calrissian. Now it looks like they're just having a very intense meeting about trade regulations and about uh, I will not I will not finish my speaking about trade regulations. But then suddenly, when the rest of the council meeting leaves, they all fall into each other's arms and oh my God, Lando Calrissian and Princess Leia are having an affair, and that is why Han Solo. Because look, Lando Calrissian, he was he was like, hey, if I'm gonna lose the Millennium Falcon to you, I'll just take your woman, and he has. And now we have this uh, triangle up uh, set up. Uh, now cut back to the Quinjet and. Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four is piloting it. Oh, and it was a fake-out. Uh, it's it's him, and we have select members of the X-Men that I thought were, uh, in my opinion, were not uh, uh, focused on properly in the earlier films. We have Colossus in there. We have X-23, which is Wolverine's daughter. Uh, then we have uh, now have uh, a mind-controlled Sabretooth, and of course, Wolverine. Uh, imagine those two going up against Robot Chewbacca, because that's going to happen. That is what I'm teasing right now. I have literally fluid in my mouth. I, ha- I have to, I have to end here, but uh, this, I'm telling you this, this here, this here is how we fix the timeline problems in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge.